You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. Happy Thanksgiving Day to everyone. Our theme says, Awesome God. And surely He is awesome. As I imagine about His movement, His working in my life, I can say that He is. But maybe some of you are wondering, why why is God awesome to me? How about in my personal life? How about in my experiences? Are there experiences or encounters that I had with Him that I will be able to say that truly He is awesome? Because when we say the word awesome, it conveys the idea of superiority, supremacy, excellence, perfection, greatness. There is a certain characteristic of a grandeur in its very nature that whenever we see something so wonderful, so great, magnificent, sometimes we run out of word and we just say the expression, wow. And when we say that word attributed to that matter, we can say that that matter, that object, that incident, that event is indeed awesome. So there is a combination of all this understanding to pertain to that particular word that bear the very theme that we have today. And maybe the question that you and I need to ask is, what makes my God awesome? What makes Jesus Christ awesome? We will be delving from the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20 this morning. And we will answer that question, what makes God Awesome. What makes my Jesus awesome? Let's read the text from the New American Standard Bible, 1995 edition. The Word of the Lord says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been made or created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. May the good Lord bless the reading of His Word. The city of Colossae was a place where we can consider as an intersection point of many belief systems. The people in that city varied so much, not only in terms of culture, but they varied so much in relation to their spiritual aspects of life, their religious orientation, their spirituality. They varied so much. And almost each one of them, whenever they went to that place, they will get the chance to mingle with people who came from different 
belief system as they carried their own belief system. So it was an intersection of the different kinds of belief to their different gods and goddesses. And from time to time, people would converse with each other, will exchange ideas about their God, the, the God that they worship, the God that they serve and honor. And it was probably common in those times that when a Christian, when a follower of Jesus would begin talking about him, there were some feedbacks, there were some reactions that he is not that great after all, that he is not supreme, that he is not superior, that he is not that powerful. And the believers inside the church were somewhat like affected of this. And that is why Paul had to address this issue and wanted to make clear before all of them about who Jesus really is. The grandeur, the greatness, the supremacy of the Lord Himself. That is why if you look at this text that we are reading, it would give us an understanding of His greatness, of His power, of His significance in the aspect of creation and in the aspect of salvation. And in relation to this, let us also take note that in this letter of the Apostle Paul, he made sure that as he introduced himself, he mentioned about his relationship with Jesus. Why does he need to do that? Because Paul acknowledged that it was Jesus who was the authority over the church. And so when he gave this advice and teachings and preachings to the believers, he made it sure that he had established a connection with Christ because it is only through the connection that he has with Christ that would give authority for him to preach to the people. Added to that, in relation to this acknowledgement of God's superiority, God mentioned, an, I mean, Paul mentioned another name in his writings in the person of Epaphras. If you look at verse um, 1 6, I mean, chapter 1, verse 6. He mentioned about Epaphras, and he called him as a bond servant of Jesus Christ. What was he doing here? Why he mentioned him this way? Because he was trying to establish that Jesus, that, that Jesus has not only the authority, but he is above this person who became one of the founders of the church in the city of Colossae. So individuals, the believers were beholding Epaphras as somebody important in the church because he was instrumental for the birth of the church. And yet Paul was invoking a greater position for Jesus by telling them that Epaphras, who planted the church or who became an instrumental for the birth of this church in the city of Colossae, yes, he is important, but this guy whom you behold as a founder, is only a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Another aspect that I would like us to see here is when you look at verses 13 and 14, not only that Jesus is the source of authority and that He is the master of Paul and Epaphras, He is also attributed as the final object to please in life. This is desire to please Him can be seen when bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of him becomes evident in the person's life. And the reason for this is the fact that he rescued the believers from the domain of darkness and transferred those who followed him into his kingdom.
So looking at verses 13 and 14, there is an idea of Jesus who has the ability, the capacity to transfer a, a person who belongs to the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the light. And with all of those things mentioned by Paul at the beginning part of the first chapter of the book of Colossae, he is already giving an understanding to the readers that this Christ that is undermined, this Christ that is looked down by other people from different belief systems is actually a supreme being. He is great. He is marvelous. He is powerful. And this is the Christ that he described further if you look at verses 15 to 20. Let us look at verses 15 to 20 in this way. I observe that verses 15 to, 6 to 17 actually, verses 15 to 17 are actually relating to us the, the role of Christ in the events of creation. And then when you look at verses 18 to 20, they relate to us the role of Christ in relation to the work of salvation. Now let's, I'll repeat. From 15 to 17, Paul related the work, the role, the power of Christ moving in the events of creation, the physical existence of all matter. But when you look at verses 18 to 20, he related the role of Jesus Christ in the aspect of the salvation of the church. So we would be looking at these verses within that kind of framework. Take note, in the earlier part of this, looking at verse 15 to 17, let's move one after the other, verse after verse, as we look into the role of Christ in the work of creation account. Looking at verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. When you look at the book of Genesis chapter 1, it relates to us the creation account. And it was evident there that it was God himself who created everything by the virtue and the power of his word. He uttered things and they came to be. He just said it and things so enormous, so great, so grand came into being. Let there be light and there was light. And this all-powerful God uttered those things and yet he remained unseen. He cannot be seen because God is a spirit. And this God who is invisible made himself visible in flesh in the very person of Jesus Christ. So when you look at now the creation account, there is an invocation of this God who is unseen. And yet Paul, when he spoke to the believers in Colossae, he's telling them this God who created everything who remained unseen is no longer unseen. Because when Jesus came into this world, he made himself be seen by every naked eye who got the chance to engage and encounter him. He is the visible image of the invisible creator. So this person born in a family of a carpenter is not just a carpenter of any tool in those days. He is the carpenter of the universe where we live today. He is the carpenter of the galaxies 
known and unknown to man. He is the carpenter of all that we see when a Hubble telescope is pointed out there in the outer space. We would see objects that we are not familiar about. We would see planets, lights, solar systems. And when we look at all of them, it points us to the carpenter who created everything. It points us that carpenter who is called the carpenter of a simple tool in the New Testament is actually the image of that invisible carpenter who made the entire universe. That is Jesus, according to Paul as he related to the believers in Colossae. And he added some description. He said he's the firstborn of all creation. Now, this is often misunderstood by many interpreters, especially by skeptics. Because when they understand this, they would look at this as he was the first created being. No. In the Greek mindset, when a firstborn is mentioned, it does not talk about the person in relation to his creation. But it talks about being the leader, being the head, being the one who is of most importance of all. So it does not talk about the order of being created. It talks about the order of supremacy. So when it was, these words were mentioned about Christ, He's the firstborn of all creation, it gives us an understanding from the Greek perspective that He is the supreme being of all that exists. He is the supreme one, supreme creator of all that exists. And then when we look further, looking at verses 16, verse 16, He is not only supreme in the, by the virtue of being the firstborn, but his superiority and supremacy is described further in verse 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Jesus being the origin of all things is superior than all. He is the beginning of all things. Furthermore, when you look at verse 18, 16 I mean and 17, it says here, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. What does this talk about Jesus? Jesus being the agent, the goal, and the sustainer of all created things expresses preeminence and supremacy. He is the origin. He is the agent by which everything is created. And he is the one that sustains everything. While I was meditating on this part of the Word of God, my imagination went outer space. I imagine about our solar system where there are planets that are revolving around the sun following each orbit. And I'm wondering how come these planets never intersect with each other. For thousands of years, they were there revolving around the sun. How is it possible that these planets never collide with each other? How does this orbit work that they stay within their path? How, how in the world all these things continued to stay where they are? And one said, if the sun is just a few kilometers, I mean if the earth is few kilometers away from the sun, 
the whole earth will be turned into a snowball. If the earth is few kilometers closer to the sun, the sun will burn the entire planet. The earth is located, situated in that particular space. Within that proximity, away from the sun, not so far from it, not so near to it, that it continues to exist. And all that lives within the planet continues to breathe, to walk around, to live, to engage with each other. That all of us are still alive today because of that exact space where the earth is located within the solar system. And as I was imagining about this reality as discovered by scientists, it makes me more feel the amazement of my existence in relation to the God who created all these things. Truly, how Paul described Jesus here, he said, In Him all things hold together. So if you look at these three aspects, being the firstborn, being superior, and being the element that brings or holds everything together. This is also seen in verses 18 to 20. Verses 15 to 17 relates these three aspects, being, being the firstborn, being superior, being the element that holds and brings everything together in relation to creation in verses 15 to 17. Now let's look at these three elements in relation to salvation as related in verses 18 to 20. 18a and b says this, He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now Paul shifted his discussion from the idea of the physical creation, the matters, that we could see around us into the spiritual realm of life, still pointing to Jesus. And the first thing that he mentioned here has to do with being the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead. It doesn't mean that Jesus was the first one who was raised from the dead. No. Because Jesus himself, before he died, already resurrected individuals, brought people back to life. He did this to a son of a widow when they were there at the gate of Nain. He did this with some other individuals who were living back then and who invoked for his presence, who had faith with him because someone they loved was dead already, like Lazarus. And when he went to the tomb of Lazarus, he called for his name and he came back to life. So Jesus was not the first one who died and was resurrected. But what is being pointed out here, being the firstborn from the dead, it was him who died and came back to life and this resurrection that he experienced has the capacity to bring life into the spiritual aspect of any person. I'll repeat. This is not pertaining to just being coming back or just coming back to life physically. But this pertains to his resurrection from the dead. And that resurrection has the capacity to make a dead person who is spiritually dead have life in that aspect of living. Jesus is the firstborn. 
and whose life has the capacity to give life to those who are spiritually dead. So when we look further, the firstborn in a sense relates the concept of preeminency superiority, being the leader of the concept of the spiritual life, being the head. That is why today the church is composed of what? The church is composed of people who were once spiritually dead. And when we had the encounter of the resurrected Savior, we put our faith in Him. We are no longer zombies walking around outside look that looks alive, but in the inner part of us, we are dead no longer like that. Why? Because when we put our faith in Christ, we are awakened. We are now alive spiritually. And that makes us the church, the body of Christ. The church is spiritually alive. And that was made possible because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Furthermore, not only the, the idea of being the firstborn applied in the creation, physical creation account, but also in the account of salvation, the second part of this has to do with being superior. Looking at verses 18c and 19, Paul said, so that he himself will will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Take note of those words, to have first place in everything. The idea of to have first place in everything still conveys the preeminence and the superiority of Jesus. He has the authority, He is the power over everything. And furthermore, when you look at verse 20, and through him, the third part of this has to do with being the element, the unique element that brings and holds everything together. And through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, were the things on earth or things in heaven. What is being brought together in verse 20? All of us who were once dead were being brought together, not only to each other, but we, are, we were brought together into a relationship with the Holy God. And that is why today you and I can stand before His holiness, the perfect God with confidence. Why? Because we were brought together with Him by the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we apply this truth in the spiritual matters of life, He is the one who holds us together, who mediates between the holy God and the sinful humanity that you and I are united with this holy one all because of Jesus. So when you apply these three things, being the firstborn, being superior, being the unique element that holds everything together and brings everything together, this can be pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ in the aspect of the physical creation and in the aspect of the salvation that you and I are experiencing today. What is the significance of all these things that I have been talking about before you this morning? Do they really make Jesus an awesome God? Yes. Because if I may summarize everything that I have said, I shall say, 
our physical existence and our spiritual life that holds or that promises our eternity. These realities have been made possible only because of Jesus Christ. Some people never relate Christ with our physical existence, but Paul is correcting that because as he taught them to answer the question of people coming from other religious groups who were undermining the superiority and the supremacy of Christ, Paul was telling them, no, 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 no. This Jesus, whom they behold as an ordinary carpenter who can create tools, is actually the exact representation of God. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of that book tells us he is the exact substance of the invisible God, meaning to say that God who created the universe is the one now who is behold as the carpenter. And this Jesus is at work in the creation and in the salvation, meaning to say you and I will never exist without Him. Your existence and my existence will never be sustained without Him. And in that same sense, you and I will never have a spiritual life without Him. And our spiritual walk with God would never be sustained without Him. He is the one that holds everything together. And that is why without Him, we will never be what we are today. We will never be where we are today. It is only made possible because of Jesus. I will repeat. Our physical existence and our spiritual life have been made possible only because of Jesus. And I think that makes him an awesome God. You know what? Oftentimes when we talk about awesomeness, we relate on the matters that are being done by an individual, by an institution. Whenever I remember the possibility of my study in Asbury Theological Seminary, I really found it so impossible. Number one reason is because of the requirements for you to be admitted. There's a lot. But second, which is the most, the, the greatest reason why I said it's impossible, is the amount of the tuition fee. Per unit would cost you 685 US dollars per unit. And that's almost 40,000 pesos per unit. And every year, I need to pay for 12 units. And they also paid for my air ticket. So if I total almost everything that they spent for me, it would be more or less 2 million pesos just to let me finish with my studies. That is why I feel indebted to the school. But whenever I think of my Jesus, it's not only my studies. It's my entire existence. The possibility of my life being born into this planet. The air that I breathe every day. The sun that I get to enjoy and feel in my skin. The people that surround me. The opportunities that come to my life. 
they are all made possible only because of Him. And when I think of my spiritual life, my salvation, I will never be snatched out of darkness if not for Him. I will never be given spiritual gifts if not for Him. I will never be able to come to Zikaek and be a pastor in this church if not for Him. We will never meet each other if not because of Him. We will never experience this thanksgiving if not because of Him. Everything that we could ever imagine in our existence, it is only made possible because of Jesus. And for that, I shall say, He is truly awesome. God bless you all and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekayak Ministries. See you there!